Does it get any better than the return of the Swedish house mafia? Stay tuned. Well, well, well. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Freakbeat CDM podcast, a loudmouth talking podcast about dance music with an attitude and opinion. My name is Journey Walker, and we are back on this occasion to talk about the Swedish House Mafia. Okay, you've just listening to the latest uh, track or song or single by the Swedish House Mafia. Yes, they've made a return, a triumphant return, if I, if I may say. Uh, we're not quite listening to the version they released, but an old festival version from uh, 2019. I'm gonna get into the nitty gritty, so stay tuned. So as you can see on the video, and for those who are listening to the audio version only, just uh, go to the video. All of a sudden, last Tuesday, on the 13th of July, the Swedish House Mafia just post a picture on the Twitter feed with the three of them in a black background, as you can see, kind of twirled around some sort of webs, I'm not quite sure. And the whole world has gone nuts because it's been, what, eight years since the uh, release of the last album in 2012. I'm going to get into that in a second. So the whole world w went nuts and uh, uh, there's been speculations about a new track and as it happened, a new track did appear. So let's have a look first of all at uh, the uh, Twitter feed. So that was on Tuesday. Two days later they dropped the video for It Gets Better. Now for those of you who are not very well aware, the Swedish House Mafia is a huge group and I'm sure lots of you are, are big fans of them and I don't need to you know say a lot about them but I'm just gonna go into their past a little bit for people who are not very well aware of them. So the Swedish House Mafia is three people. They're from Sweden. So it's uh, Sebastian and Grosso, Axwell and Steve Angelo. These guys, they were working together uh, from the early 2000s producing uh, house and dance music in general. And then they decided to come together. To in 2010, they dropped their first tune called Miami to Ibiza that you hear in a second, hopefully. 
She says she likes my watch, but she wants Steve's AP. And she stay up all hours watching QVC. She said she loves my songs, she bought my MP3. And so I put her number in my bold BB. I got a black BM, she got a white TT. She wanna see what's hiding in my CK briefs. I tell her wear suspenders and some PVC. And then I'll film it all up on my JVC. Pay attention and listen. We're trying to get this on a one take. So let's try and make that happen. Take one, 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 action. Okay, I don't think I need to say a lot about this, do I? I mean that song was uh, a triumph when it came Miami to Ibiza and it kind of hailed the whole new kind of EDM let's put it let's use that term for this big festival scene uh, and the eruption of this EDM or, or dance music in the States and I guess the Miami to Ibiza kind of brings this vibe of the big groups that were traveling from Miami to Ibiza to do all these uh, all these shows and after that there's been a release of a few more singles like one your name save the world antidote don't you worry and who doesn't know all these tunes right uh, i don't need to play you this and then in 2012 they bring uh, their album out and after that that was it so the album was called Until Now. It was uh, it had ten tracks. It had all the tracks I uh, earlier uh, referred to, and they were released as singles. These guys were huge. They were leading the whole, the entire industry at that stage, together with David Guetta and Skrillex and Dead Mouse. You know, they were at the very forefront. They bring this album out, and then they just decide to call it quits, meaning. They split to the disappointment of thousands and thousands of thousands and hundreds of thousands of fans. And nobody quite understood why. And we're here to, today to kind of untangle this by reading some bits and pieces from an interview they gave to Billboard. Uh, the basic back they have returned. This is not the first attempt to uh, return, but they have returned officially now, and they gave uh, two major, well, one major interview in Billboard magazine, which is the prime music magazine in the States, in the United States, as you know, as well as they appeared in the Jimmy Fallon show, which is a nighttime host in the US television, for those who don't know. We're going to get into that as well. But let's get back to the Twitter feed for a second. So as you can see here, the drop on the July 15, it gets better. The track is a little bit different. than what you've heard early on, the festival of um, the festival of version. And that kind of brought a little bit of steel. We're going to get into that. The next day, July the 16th, they announced, as you can see here on the screen, on Monday, we're back for a lifetime. And you can see here the, the three dots that represent them, uh, which is their logo. Uh, here they are, some more pictures. It gets better. You know, there's a lot of hype. 
build up. There's a lot of uh, advertising. Then on July the 18th, like two or three days later, they bring out this picture and they drop another tune out, right? It's called Lifetime featuring a uh, Thai dollar sign and 070 shake. I'm not sure who 070 shake is, but we're going to get into that as well. So this is really exciting for all the fans because, as I said, the album came in 2012. Then they disappear from the face of the earth. They made a comeback. And if you remember, fans of the podcast in 2019, uh, Ultra Miami celebrated uh, their... 20th edition, I was there, and who was the closing act in the main stage? It was Swedish House Mafia, and again, the whole world went berserk. It was very emotional for many people, not necessarily for me, but that doesn't mean anything. I know uh, this group and its music means quite a lot, probably to most of the fans of and listeners of this podcast that are in this age group that perhaps when they start listening, Swedish House Mafia was the thing. They tried to make a comeback then, but it didn't quite happen. They continued with a tour, a worldwide tour in 2019. So that first show was kind of the beginning of the return. And then, of course, the pandemic happened, as we know, and things kind of got stalled. And now they're back. Just to get to the nitty gritty, let's head into this Billboard article there were the cover in 2007, the July 17, 2021. There were the cover of the Billboard uh, issue for this week. The return of Swedish House Mafia. New label, new manager, new music. Can they light up a post-EDM world? Quite significant, isn't it? So we're going to read in some interesting extracts uh, from this. And they're talking about the three... Um, the three members, Axwell and Ingrosso and Steve Angelo, who came together. And now you have to remember that when they split, they followed their own career. So you have Axwell and Ingrosso doing their own thing. And also Axwell has his own label and very well respected with many, many hits. And then Steve Angelo doing his own thing. So we're going to, in this article, we're going to discuss a little bit the dynamics of the group and why they split, because this is really the important issues here and why they came together. It says, um, Angelo says, when we first, when we came back together again, it was like we had to rediscover what this was. We all have our different likings, obviously, but then Sebastian shows me something, or Axwell shows me something I have never seen or heard. It becomes this magic again that we had when we were young. And yeah, they're, they're a little bit old right now, but that doesn't mean anything. The writer is saying here, more than any other act in modern dance music, Swedish House Mafia set the tone for the EDM boom for the early 2010s, taking the massive big room house sound cultivated in Europe to the United States really was... Netherlands, as well as, I guess, them. The last release was in 2012, Don't You Worry Child, becoming its biggest hit by far when it spent three weeks at number six on the Billboard Hot 100. That's quite significant because, you know, six weeks there must mean it was huge. It sold hugely. And um, five years later, it seemed like the group might reunite when it closed out Ultra's 20th anniversary, as I said. But as the members now say, behind the scenes problem had that show underscored just how much of a change a true reunion would have necessitated. Over the next three years, they made attempts at new music, but were derailed at every turn. I didn't know any of that. Now they're returning to an industry that has changed considerably. We know that. 
dance music, it appears, according to Billboard here, isn't the US market juggernaut it was in the early and mid 2010s. In 2016, the global dance music industry was valued at 7.1 billion. So that's 2016, I guess that was the top, a historic high amid the US since heyday. And that same year, the genre accounted for a record 4% market share of US recorded music. That number dipped to 3.6 before the pandemic, according to some reports. In 2021, uh, an analysis of Spotify's top 200 indicates that dance music is declining almost everywhere. This is something that we touched many, many times. To me, that's a good thing, but I'm gonna, I'm not gonna digress and discuss this. I'm just gonna focus on the Swedish house mafia. Still, while its popularity, I'm sorry for this motorbikes. Still, while its popularity may have leveled off in the United States, it's surging in developing countries like India and China, developing, as well as in parts of Latin America where the EDM boom arrived later and where streaming consumption is rising rapidly. Remember what we said about the Great Reset last year. And it's amid these changing consumption patterns that Swedish House Mafia is starting fresh. A new team, a global tour backed by Live Nation, new music and more crucially, a new sound. And I think this is the important here, it's the new sound, because there's been a little bit of controversy we're going to uh, deep into the Twitter feed later on. It was just like, what the F do we do? How do we come back? Do we just give them another version of what we've done before? And Grosso says, I was like, fuck that, it's depressing to go back, it's disgusting to go back. And that's very important because that's that's really the... The main issue here, they've been away for so long, it doesn't mean that their career stopped individually, they kept producing awesome music, but, you know, they have this huge weight on their shoulders. Once you achieve such a success, a magnificent and awesome success, with an album and six singles, or was it five, what do you do after? You know, you had, obviously, a recipe for success, you knew how to craft fantastic tunes. You knew how to go out and play live and as DJs and, um, you know, use a huge show to your advantage as they did. But what do they do? Do they repeat the old formula that obviously worked and continue with their commercial success and keep their old fans and hopefully get new fans? Or do they just scrub that recipe and they just craft anything that is new to them or to their liking right now, but with the risk of losing their old fans and maybe not even getting any new fans. The guy says here, Billboard, it's first singly gets better, certainly doesn't sound retro. A slick imposing amalgamation of punchy beats, walls of synth and quick 100 degrees into drops composed of what appears to be cowbell. It is the group promises just the start of more new music leading up to Swedish House Mafia's debut album Paradise again planned for a late 2021 release. So we have here the kind of drop that there's going to be a new album and it's going to be called Paradise again. So let's just listen to It Gets Better from the beginning now and you guys see what you think.
And that was that. That was uh, It Gets Better. That's the newest single, but then they released two singles, one after the other. But let's continue with this uh, Billboard interview. Uh, Billboard says it's a make-or-break moment, one that will decide if the most successful act of the dance music boom uh, can exist beyond that era. As they put it, the simply three restless creative guys who want to finally get the music out regardless of how it's received, and to prove they can chart a new course away from mainstream dance music, which Laments and Grosso has of late all sounded the same. Wow. What do you guys think, uh, fans of other tra- uh, of other genres, that they all sound the same? Do you agree with Ingrosso? I mean, you know, they say they want to get uh, away from mainstream dance music, but they were the creators of mainstream dance music, in effect. I mean, before them, huge anthems and choruses and hooks. Nobody else was doing that, were they? I'm not trying to, like, satisfy the digital market, says Steve Angelo. My big play here is making an album we love and putting it out. I'm not going to go into the studio and call the guys and be like, yo, numbers are called on the playlist, we don't give a funk. Okay, so they want to be different. I mean, you heard the track, it's it's very percussive in the beginning, it just has one kind of um, vocal sample that gets repeated, it gets better baby, nothing uh, sing-along, there's no sing-along chorus, the percussion, 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 some scenes that uh, rise in the tension, and then it goes into it goes into a kind of an electro beat there, that's, uh, I kept saying that electro seems to be making some sort of, sort of a comeback, Whereas if you heard the festival version that was uh, we played in the beginning of this episode, it was more like a Chemical Brothers, more dancey, uh, ba- good bass line there. I'm sure when they play live, they, they're going to put either the dancey version or they're going to make a remix. But yeah, definitely it's not commercial. I mean, I can testify to that. You can hear that. Uh, it doesn't sound like the old them from 2011. We have no idea if people are going to like the new music ads in Grosso, but we are just really proud of what we've done. Just some background here. In April 2010, two months after becoming their first EDM act to get top Coachella billing, the trio announced it was breaking up. But first, it would embark upon a 52-day, five-continent spanking trek called One Last Tour, which ended up grossing an average of 1.2 million per show dollars, according to Billboard, and was chronicled in the 2014 documentary Leave the World Behind. I haven't watched this. I'm not sure whether any of you have. (laughs) They're talking about some kind of anecdotes that happened uh, during this tour. And this is really when when groups break down. It's because of that flight, uh, playing live, flight again, leaving a hotel, where the frictions arise, people get to know each other like almost they're married and then they break down. He says, in one scene during a 2011 writing trip to Australia, where they plan to hold up in the studio and finish Don't You Worry Child, Angelo leaves a session to go and get a neck tattoo. A move Axwell calls retarded, that's in the show. Uh, once Angelo has left the room, uh, then Angelo justifies himself. He says, that was three hours. Uh, the song took two years to make. Jesus, don't you worry, child, that was a perfectionist. Uh, the problem was that Swedish House Mafia grew really fast and we had our individual careers as well. So this, I think, is important. So once you have the friction of being in a tour every day together, uh, but the other is um, some clashing egos, I guess. So, you know, 
we have our individual careers as well, says Axwell. Swedish House Mafia took over and so we were like, what are we doing? Are we focusing on this? But I have this other thing also. We were not good at balancing that and we were also not ready to fully ditch our individual careers and commit to Swedish House Mafia, which it felt like it needed and of course it did. The film also hinted at deeper problems with the Swedes dropping vague references to the elephant in the room, conversations that might never be had and the issue throughout, they don't say what that is. There were not really any issues in in Grosso, there were just three guys that had been touring together for 10 plus years and needed to take a break. They were not touring as Swedish House Mafia, but you know they knew each other and they were playing as DJs together. Now when I'm older and thinking back on it, it was just like we were all tired, it's a huge machine to carry. Exactly. Ego may have accounted for some tensions one summer night in 2012-11. Amy Thompson, the group's then manager, got a call around 4am after a show in Ibiza from an incensed ingrosso. Steve's got black leather seats on the plane and mine's brown. I knew this would happen. What does this have to do with dance music? I just miss good old dance music. Do you see what I'm talking? This is an industry. Regardless of the reason after its final show at Ultra in Miami in 2013, the group certainly looked like it had divided into factions. Steve Angelo was living in LA and forging a solo career, whereas um, Axwell and Ingrosso, they formed Axwell versus, not versus, X Ingrosso. Uh, intended, says Axwell, as a smaller thing, the duo played most of the world's major dance music festivals and scored a global hit with 2017's More Than You Know. Do you remember that? Still, when asked if he felt the same as performing with Swedish House Mafia, Ingrosso offers a succinct reply, no, and of course not. The wheels, so let's go back to the reunion now. So 2013, they all disappeared, they went their own way. The wheels of a reunion started turning in the fall of 2016. Look how long it takes. Angelo, spooked by Donald Trump's election, moved his family back to Stockholm. So I guess moving closer together was like a catalyst for them to get together and, you know, when they find themselves in the same room, they start remembering stuff and probably that was the kickstart. It's weird, it's weird when you hang out with some, somebody every day, says Axwell, uh, like we did in those last months of the tour and then just poof, we just started to laugh one memory after the other and then wine and then meat and then cigarettes and then more wine. I think we came home at two in the morning. So that was the reconnection back in Sweden in 2016. Here we have a revelation. It says, Billboard says, the reunion was only supposed to be one show. So Ultra executive producer had approached the Swedes numerous times and at uh, 2017's Ultra Singapore, he broached an idea to Angelo. Why not get back, uh, sorry, why not get together for the 20th anniversary event in Miami? A month later, Rasakov walked into the dressing room at Ultra Europe in Croatia and made the same pitch uh, to actually engross its time. I remember when uh, they were advertising for the 2019, we didn't know what this secret act would be. Many thought it was Daft Punk because they advertised it as the closing act would be secret. So they didn't say what it was. Uh, obviously, it was sold out by that time. So you couldn't get tickets, but nobody knew what it was. And a lot of people were talking about... Um, this being Daft Punk, although they proven we knew by Saturday it was going to be Swedish House Mafia. After more back and forth, uh, a deal was struck. Ultra would play the Swedes about one million for an hour-long appearance. 
I guess that was the biggest curveball we could throw. Let's come together and do a show. I spent three months in early 2018 preparing, so that's for a 2019 show, leading up to a final week of rehearsals in a Miami warehouse space. We were staying in different hotels because we truly thought we were being clever. But by March 2000, uh, March 25, the final day of Ultra, rumors of a reunion were flying. Tens of thousands of fans gathered at the main stage. I knew it was going to be so emotional. We just need to get to the stage as fast as possible. It gets interesting here. Like, what happened? When the lights came up, a huge rotating mirror flipped open like a guy's door to reveal the trio kicking off a nearly hour-long spectacle spectacle of fire and glowing lead panels. But it didn't quite go as the sweats had meticulously planned. We had shit tons of issues as Angelo lights didn't come on at the designated cues, visual effects timing was off at one point a wall of fire touched some lead tiles. That was kind of a turn off and they got really angry. From what I read is they paid from their own pocket to do this show. He says, I don't know the exact amount, but I paid from my pocket to play there. Says in gross, so it was a effing mess, but we're like, we'll do it for our fans. We grossed, what, $200 million? I think we spent $210 million. Jesus, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money, people. It's just, they just released five records. Great. Still, in the waning moments of the older show, Axwell made an impromptu promise to the crowd. It's Swedish House Mafia for life this time. Yeah. Backstage, there were a few DJs crying, literally crying. Uh, I cried a bit. And obviously, there was the speculation what would happen afterwards. So that's 2018. A loose plan emerged to get back in the studio and tour, but the months after Ultra proved messy. Nothing was going on for for these guys, and uh, then they start going to find to get a new deal because they were not satisfied with their old record label, and there's been, you know, quite a hunt to do this. Managers resigned. The three of them are, th- are still together. They still have discussions, and uh, ultimately, it looks like Columbia Records got them. In early 2019, Swedish House Mafia signed with Columbia. At first, the group um, was thinking one idea that was great was to put up a record on digital service providers and then take it down. We love the untraditional ideas, but as soon as Angelo, they came to feel the label was too interesting flirting with the past and we're not there. I think we scrapped like 12 Don't You Worry Childs while making the new album. Interesting. It gets better the more you... The more you read, the more interesting it gets us what the new album will be like. I think it's probably time here to play the other track, which is called Lifetime. I'll explain to you why, so let's get into this. in a lifetime, baby it's the right time, I put on a red light, told you it was on no side, you 
Come with me, take my hand, follow me, follow me to a place, a place where we can be free. Okay, I mean, you heard this. To me, that sounded like The Weeknd, a track by The Weeknd. Very, very commercial, uh, mid-tempo, no dance, dance, maybe dance pop? Yeah, dance pop would suit the, nothing spectacular. They had uh, the Thai dollar sign in 070 shake on the vocals. It's called Lifetime. They want to get out of commercial music, but then they make that. So that looks like uh, some pressure from a record label to me. Anyway, let's continue with the Billboard interview here. So after a few months in the studio, the group produced a handful of rough tracks, some of which they tested on a on the road during a 14-day spring-summer tour in 2019, again before the pandemic. Around May, uh, says a source close to the trio, they delivered eight songs to Colombia and they were thrilled with them. And in June 2019, the members were in the studio with Asap Rocky. The day before he turned himself to Swedish police followed, following an alleged street brawl. And then everything stopped the COVID-19. Trust the science. Struck. And the Swedes, in a way, go what they wanted. Much more time to work on the music. Yeah, we have two years now to make some new music because, you know, Don't You Worry Child took two years anyway. And the pandemic, yeah, had some silver lining for the artists. I'm not sure about that. Definitely not for struggling artists. The Ingrosso got COVID and I had fever for 100 days and wore a pulse oximeter like all the time. Wow. Okay, in a world gone totally virtual, the trio's uh, relationship with uh, Colombia suffered too because they wanted face-to-face meetings. And then they left Colombia in November 2020, and now they're searching for another record label. This is almost like a, it's an adventure. It is an adventure. They say they try to get creative. They try. They start some soul searching here. Angelo, uh, he says he tinkered with his collection of custom synthesizers. The creative process is a little longer because we're not super keen on software and presets of buttons. Sorry, presets of sounds. So they want to use analog synths to make their own sounds rather than, you know, use those presets. And sometimes they just sat together listening to music, including their collection of white labels, dating back to when they started out. For those who don't know, white labels are vinyl records that had nothing on the label, so nobody knew who was the artist or the track name. Instead, perhaps of some itching 
on uh, on the record itself or maybe some letters there as a catalog name and that was it that's called a white label for all of you who just know streaming and continuing we were going back in time like where did we come from come on guys who are we and just started to dig deep and the process involved its fair share of anxiety it was tough we're getting older and the whole idiom bubble for me was has come to a point where nobody's taking risks to be honest including me the group's famed perfectionism kill us kills us also sometimes for us it needs to be a certain way and that's why it takes time you know in general the second album is always really tough for an artist um, especially if the first album was hugely successful and a lot of artists fail onto that because there's this huge weight from a first successful album I'm just I'm just a little bit worried of what might happen with with SHM. After many 18 hours days in the studios in early 2021, they work hard. The Swedes came up with It Gets Better, which to them sounded like Swedish House Mafia 2.0. When we did that record, says Ingrosso, I was just jumping up and down in here. It was like, fuck yeah, it's happening. I mean, it's a track, isn't it? Um, they made it. I guess they were happy because they just completed something, maybe. But then they said they had eight tracks for Columbia ready. So I'm not sure. Did they scrap these? I don't know. Then last summer, they're talking here about changing in the management. And the management changed. And finally, they have a new label called Republic Records. And they have a new manager as well called Dina Sahim. And they're discussing about how, you know, how happy the label is to have them. I guess so. It's, I mean... It's a huge group. Uh, the manager says, I love their attitude of wanting to do the best show and not losing anything from the creative. That's that's where we are right now, I guess. We're just going to read a little bit towards the end that says, Paradise Again, which is the title of the forthcoming album, says Steve Angel is just the beginning, adding that they have enough music for a couple more albums yet. So it's going to be ID, ID, ID. You always want people to like your music, otherwise you won't play it to them. But then they said they don't want people to necessarily like their music. But the vision of the album, for me, it's not really important if it sells 400 million copies or 10. As Angela points out, they've already achieved something that for so long was more elusive. We're together, we're making music, we're having fun. The only thing that matters is that we're going to look at each other in a couple of weeks' time... We're going to have a barbecue and laugh and we're going to say, look at this effing album. And that's it. They seem to be having fun. That's good. I hope they put this fun and creativity in, in their album and we're going to listen to some exciting music. Because, as I discussed, um, dance music is waning everywhere, apart from some developing dance music markets. And we need somebody again to push the envelope because unfortunately that's the thing with dance music. It's a little bit faceless unless you have these huge pop dance acts like what Swedish House Mafia did in 2010 for the big room scene. It's not going to happen, is it? Anyway, we're going in circles. We have discussed this before. After that, they actually appeared to uh, in the top... To, Tonight's show starring Jimmy Fallon. And we have here the YouTube appearance. I'm going to play this, uh, obviously, 
uh, all copyright goes to the Jimmy Fallon show, but then we don't care. So there you go for for anybody who's watching the video. Here it goes. TV debut of their new songs, Lifetime, and it gets better with special guests Ty Dolla Sign and 070 Shake. Here's Swedish House Mafia. Here they are. Three dots lit up. Because they're not playing live, really, but I guess they have to pretend. Oh, let's let's mix in the first thing. Oh, look at that! What is this hand coming through some cables? I like that electro. Better, baby. it um pretty much well let's have a look to close this podcast as to what people thought of that so we go back here it gets better we're gonna read off some reactions (laughs) 
and starting not very complimentary comments. Did you guys produce it with a demo version of FL Studio? Because <laughs> that's how it sounds, I mean, compared to the 2019 version, which was is a masterpiece. Everybody wants the 2019 version or else we riot. Let's see what else they say. I expected the old version. Disappoint. Disappointed. This guy says, For the love of God, if you do it for the fans, answer our prayers. Release the It Gets Better Club mix from the 2019 tour. We come, we rave. Yeah. <clears throat> we need the old version. Mm. Everybody wants the old version. The real family was waiting for this. Welcome back, boys. Welcome. The festival version is much better, much better. So, I really like that their fans, or I'm not sure whether they're old fans or new fans, they don't like this sort of experimental new sound. They just want something from the same or perhaps more dancey. Because I don't think the other one is more catchy. Um, okay, guys, all of the money is yours. Now, can you release 2019 version as a club mix, please? It's rubbish. Not the Swedish House Mafia Vault. But that's what they wanted. Oh, my God, they heard our prayers. This track sounds so bad. As live, loved it from the first seconds. Few years of waiting. Not few, eight years. And we finally have a studio version. That's how EDM... That's how look EDM music looks like in ten years. Okay. It got worse, the original that was played in Stockholm was better. Uh, all that, this guy is asking, all that time off to produce that? What else? So you drop a mediocre version of a song and then you'll say it gets better and then drop the original version which we all want. Is that the plan? Give us it gets better 2019 some memes here. Um, I mean, you get, you know, you get the, the gist of the fans and the fans didn't quite like it. But uh, how about you? Did you like it? Are you excited? I'm, I'm sure you're super excited. But what, you, what are your thoughts? Are they doing the right thing of uh, crafting a new sound and you know not caring a lot about what the fans are like or whether the fans would like this new sound? Or are they right to focus on them having fun? Do you think that they pr will produce more quality music? That's all from me from today. I hope you enjoyed that. May I remind you this time that uh, our podcast is fully independent. We don't depend on sponsorships. We don't sell our souls to corporations. And therefore, our only motivation is to keep for doing this podcast is your love and our over 30 years mission to spread dance music far and wide. We're not here to kiss smelly butts of DJs, as you probably realize by listening to this podcast, if you're still here, festivals or record labels. So please join us by following us on Odyssey, following our podcast on your favorite uh, podcasting platform, leave a review on iTunes, follow us on odyssey.com where all our videos are, we shut our YouTube channel, and if you like uh, what you've just heard, do share uh, with your friends and spread the freaky disease to everyone. So, until next time, you know the score. Get your frick on.